curious. I want to see. How many of you come to church at least on Christmas Sunday? No, I'm just kidding. I'm really glad that, really glad that everybody is here this morning and that you, that, uh, you agreed to go out to lunch with somebody, in, in, even if it meant you had to come to church with them. And uh, thank you for being here. Uh, Christmas traditions, family traditions. Any traditions around, around Christmas time and around family? Let me just see. Family traditions. I wonder if anybody would be daring enough to just real quickly tell, tell us about one of your family traditions at Christmas time. We watch a Christmas story. How many of you watch a Christmas story as a family? As a family. How many of you have ever seen it? And you don't watch it every year? Seriously? And you call yourselves Americans. I thought. Is there any Christmas movies that you watch every year? Elf. Elf? How many of you watch Elf as a family? Those are, okay. And how many of you watch It's a Wonderful Life? This will just kind of tell us who's who in this congregation. Okay. All right. Christmas Vacation. You watch what? What? It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. Just because it's on three times doesn't mean you have to watch it three times. Just saying. Sorry, Ashley. Okay, uh, so movies seem to be a big part of what we do at Christmas time. What else? Food. What are the family traditions around food in your, in your Christmas cookies? Are there certain types of cookies that you eat every year as a family? Is that a yes? Yeah? Just say yes if there are a certain kind or necessarily you're making me hungry. Um, anything else? Do you go? We're still on food, I see. Okay. Um, <laughs> Can we get off entertainment and food for a second? Is there anything else you do uh, as a, a family tradition? Yes, Renee? Um, Scott's family, they... Now, don't be blaming it on Scott's family now. No, okay. Wow, that's cool. That's awesome. Top that one, somebody. <laughs> you got one? That's really cool. Awesome. Birthday cake for Jesus. All right. Um, Christmas traditions. Okay, midnight mass. How many of you ever did that? How many of you still do it? How many of you find a Christmas Eve service somewhere to go to? Just curious. Because, okay, that's cool. We do that occasionally, too. Not here, unless Christmas Eve is on a Sunday. Uh, But we're not that. We aren't great Christians, really. Um, (laughs) Um... how many of you finished your Christmas shopping like a month ago? I'm kind of curious. And okay, just we, I want to know who to hate this morning. How many of you finished your Christmas shopping like before Thanksgiving? You want it done before the Thanksgiving thing? Oh, okay, all right, okay, a few of you. That, um, so how many of you hate those people? Okay. How many of you would say I'm starting in about 45 minutes if you get done here pretty quick? Um, how many of you open up presents on Christmas Eve? Some. Do how many of you are? Uh, hardcore traditionalists, no, 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 we're waiting till Christmas, don't you be touching that box, no, we're waiting till Christmas, how many of you, some of you wait till Christmas, okay, um, and then it's like countdown, five, four, three, two, one, and then it's like, you know, all you know what breaks out, and there's just stuff everywhere, and then it's done in like five seconds, how many of you open one present at a time with your, in your family, no, I don't mean like each person opens one at a time, I mean one person opens one, really, you pull that off, Winslow's, that is impressive right there, that is impressive stuff. You got four kids at home, and you can make that happen. And Garth, Garth and uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we kind of do that at our place. We take our time, and, and since Mom wraps every sock and piece of chocolate individually, it takes us till like New Year's Eve. But um, 
One of the things we try to do every Christmas is we try to sit down and pause somewhere in our day, and usually around the table, and open up Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story, and some, we take turns or somebody reads a Christmas story. We try to do that before we eat lunch. Um, some, some, of, uh, some of you like to sing Christmas carols, and um, when you're together with a family and someone gets around the piano and bangs out some Christmas tunes. Do you ever do that with your family? Do you ever do it? I'm just curious. Really? No, nobody plays instruments, or you're really bad singers, or you just, okay. Um, we used to do that every year. We'd have 10 or 12 of us in my grandparents' little tiny apartment and, uh, and 10 or 12 crossweights in a little tiny apartment. There's not a lot of breathing room. And uh, we'd sing Christmas carols and someone would open the front door, which opened out into the hallway. And uh, my grandmother would play the organ. And she'd crank it right up. And the crossweight men loved to sing and they sang really loud and they all had big voices. And people would gather in the hall and they'd listen to our family sing. And even the ladies down the hall whose doors had the hearing impaired sticker on it. They were out there too, you know. Uh, they knew that we were, they felt the vibrations or something. Well, as we sing and listen to Christmas carols this time of year, uh, I'm sure you have your favorites. Um, but one of the songs that we often hear is the song, What Child Is This? Some of you know that song, What Child Is This? Today, what I want to do is I want to let the Word of God answer that question. And as we pause for just a few minutes to in, to in, in kind of in this really crazy busy season that we let get out of control sometimes... I want to pause for just a minute to think about the birth of God's Son, Jesus, the Christ, the promised Messiah. Just think about Jesus for a minute. We all probably have a different image come into our heads. I'm just, but I want us to just stop and think about Jesus. I think it's amazing to recognize that he, here we are over 2,000 years after his life, and there are millions and probably billions of people around the world who claim that this Jesus, the Christ, changed their lives. I happen to be one of those people. A lot of you are those people. The scripture says that Jesus is the name that's above every other name. And, and we'd have to say that it's, it's quite a name. Because you can talk about God all day long, even in our secular culture. And there's really no controversy, is there, if you talk about God. But you can be on, in, the, in the media or on TV or in a, with your coworkers or whatever and discuss spirituality and talk about God. But when you bring up the name of Jesus, now there's a little tension and sometimes there's controversy. The book of Acts says that he's the only way to God. The name of Jesus brings controversy. Scripture says that he's the name above all names, and yet his name is often attacked. Think about this. His name is used as a cuss word. You've never heard anyone smash their finger with a hammer and yell, Mohammed. I don't, I've never heard it. Maybe you have, but they never do that and go, like, oh, Buddha. I, I just, I don't mean any disrespect, but the name of Jesus is something special, and even the birth of Christ, uh, uh, what did it do? It split our calendar and how we measure time. It split it in half before Christ and, and now 2014 in the year of our Lord, Jesus. So who is this child? A lot of people, you know, they only really only know the Christmas and Easter snapshots of Jesus. There are some of you who would say, well, I know the six pound, eight ounce baby, sweet baby Jesus, you know, and, but that's all you know of him. And others of you, maybe it's the 33-year-old Jesus on the cross, and you got the birth down, and you got the cross down, but you don't really have a full understanding of what child this is. And so what I want to do today for just a couple of minutes is to try to broaden our understanding of who is this Christ. So let's learn two words this morning. The first word we're going to learn is a Hebrew word, and it's the word hene. Let's put that on the screen, hene. So let's just say that together, hene. Wow, you are Hebrew whizzes now, hene. The second word is a Greek word, and it is the word idu. So we can say that together. Idu. Let's say them both now. Hine, 
and a do. Okay. It's the same word. It's translated into English as the same word from two different languages. It's a word in the Hebrew and it's a word in the Greek that's translated into our, our really biblical English, especially if, uh, if you're using an older translation. Uh, it's either translated as low, L-O, or see, or look. And today we're going to use the word behold. Anytime you see this word behold in Scripture, what we need to understand, we see that it's either it's hene, if it's in the Old Testament, or it's adu, if it's in the New Testament. And what we're about to hear after that is a life-changing statement. Behold. Check this out, in other words. It'd be like, pay attention. Or, dude, you've got you to gotta listen to this. You better watch this. Man, you need what I'm about to tell you. Pay attention. Listen. This is amazing. Behold. Hene. Adu. And what we're going to find is immediately following this Greek and Hebrew word, we're going to see statements about Christ that are indeed life-changing. So let's look at a couple different pictures of Jesus. The first picture would be this. Behold Jesus the baby. This is in Isaiah chapter 7. These words were prophesied about Jesus about, four, about 700 years before his birth. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. What's the next word? Thank you. That's the, I put the wrong, you know, we think if I'm really trying to accentuate one word, I put the right version up there that I wanted. Thank you, John. In the, in the King James, the New King James, it says, behold. So what it says is the Lord himself will give you a sign. And then it says, behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth. I'd like to blame Kelly on that, but she had nothing to do with that. I put that verse in there. Um, pay attention. The virgin will conceive and bear a son. will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The listeners of this passage would have been blown away. So like, what, what, wait, wait, what'd you say now? I mean, are you, are you kidding me right now, Isaiah? Because you mean the Savior that we've heard about for, for our whole lives now? He'll be coming, and we, he really is coming, and he's going to be born of a virgin. We did, this is a new spin, didn't hear, didn't know that. Interesting. 700 years, check this out, before his historical birth, it's prophesied that he would come 700 years before he was born, and it's going to be a miracle. It's not a birth like any other birth. I mean, childbirth itself is a miracle. The, the miracle of birth. But this young teenage girl who'd never been with a man, a virgin, an angel comes to her and she submits and says to God, may it be done unto me according to your word. And the Holy Spirit performs this miracle. She found favor in God's eyes and she gives birth to the Christ child. And he was born in a stable, technically most likely in a cave, among animals and filth. And I know people who won't have a baby in this hospital because of whatever, so they have to go to this hospital. Jesus was born in a filthy cave with farm animals. So you see this picture of this child, Emmanuel, God with us, who was born to die for the sins of the world. Behold, the virgin will be with child. She'll give birth to Emmanuel, God with us. Behold, Jesus the baby. Isaiah 9, a couple chapters later, Isaiah says this. It says, For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's like, behold, check it out. Hear the news. The Christ child's going to be born. Behold, Jesus, the baby. Another picture of Jesus I want you to see is this. It's behold, check this out. Don't miss it. There's Jesus, the Lamb of God. John the Baptist made this bold declaration in, in John 1, verse 29. It says this, the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him. And he's like, hey, hey, everybody, hey, everybody, listen up. Look, 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 look. Behold, there he is. This guy I've been talking about, there he is. 
You're not going to believe this. We've heard about it. But there he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And everyone in his audience would have stopped what they were doing. They were like, really? We've heard about him. We've been waiting for him. We have all kinds of religious observances we go through, kind of waiting for the Messiah. This is him. This is the Lamb of God. They would have known what that meant because they lived in a sacrificial, in a time when there was like the sacrificial system. When someone sinned, someone else or something else had to die. Um, so someone would die in their place and they would have remembered celebrating the Passover from years ago when God delivered his people from bondage in Egypt and, and said, I'm going to send a death angel who will pass over and everybody who does not have the, their doors covered with the blood of the lamb will be destroyed. But if you have the blood of the lamb, so they would slaughter this lamb and then they, would, they took the blood with a sponge and they put it on the top of their doors and they put it on the sides of their doors. And in the Old Testament, we have this picture of the cross of the blood of Christ. And those who were covered with his blood, the death angel passed over and they were spared. And John the Baptist, knowing that they know these stories, says, check this out. Here he is, the Lamb of God. Not just a lamb, but the lamb. The lamb we've been waiting for. The one we've been promised. Revelation 5 says this, worthy is this lamb. Worthy is the lamb, Jesus, who was slain. To receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Behold, Jesus, the baby... The Christ child who was born to die, behold, Jesus, the Lamb of God. And then another picture of this, I hope, I hope we'll get this. Behold, behold, check it out, Jesus, the man. John chapter 19, verse 5, he's standing in front of Pontius Pilate right before the crucifixion. The scripture says, Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, behold, the man. Jesus miraculously was all God and all man. And don't ask me to explain that because I don't, I just did. That's the best I can give you. He was God in human form. He was God in the flesh, but he was not an ordinary man, you know. This man was God and he was so full of God's love that the Greek word that's translated compassion, you know, means to ache from a deepest part of our, for others, for the sake of others, an inner yearning and an aching, and that's who Jesus was. And when he saw people, he would just like bleed with compassion. The lepers who were considered outcasts and no one would go near, Jesus would reach out and touch them. That was the kind of man he was. He was the one who would see blind eyes and would heal them. He's the one who would befriend prostitutes. He's the one that was so loving to those who were so different that the religious people couldn't, they just couldn't stand him. Behold, Jesus, the man who was obedient to God, even unto death. In fact, before his death, they whipped him with these whips at the, the end would have stones or broken pieces of glass and metal and they whipped him on his back 39 times and some would some say that based on that kind of beating uh, his, his he, he could have died just from that alone but for nothing if nothing else his back was torn to shreds and they beat him over and over and over again and they pierced his hands and his feet and they put him on a cross and then when the creation was mocking the creator on the cross he looks to his father in heaven and he says father forgive them when he could have called thousands of angels and destroyed them all with a spoken word, he prayed for forgiveness. Behold, Jesus the man who, according to Isaiah 53, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, for our sin. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds were healed. And verse 6 of Isaiah 53 says, We all like sheep have gone astray, each one of us to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus the man, the iniquity of us all. What child is this? Behold, check this out, don't miss it. Jesus, the Christ child. 
Behold the man, pay attention. There he is, Jesus, the Lamb of God, who is slain for the sins of the world. Behold, Jesus, the man who endured the pain of the cross, being obedient to God even unto death, and risen again by the power of God. Listen to this. not work sorry just so you know anytime something up there doesn't work it's usually my fault Watch and we're speechless. 
Holy Son, embracing our weakness, He overcomes all death, and He frees us to live. And we sing, this is our
is Jesus. What I want to do for a moment is, is stop. And I think this is a good time, four days before Christmas, to just stop in our tracks. Maybe even step back. Behold. Behold, you need to hear this. There is another side of Jesus that you need to know. So behold. Check it out. Hine. Idu. Behold, who is Jesus? He's the soon returning king. This is what he said in Revelation 22, 12. Behold, check this out. I hope you're paying attention. I am coming soon, and my reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. He said, I am the Alpha, and I am the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So when Jesus was born some 2,000 years ago, he came, as we've heard this morning, as a lowly servant. He came as a son of a carpenter, sleeping in a manger, a farm animal's feeding trough, his first bed, no doubt. But let me tell you that when he returns, he's coming with far different thoughts on his mind. John prophesied in Revelation 19, verse 11, and verses that follow, said these words, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is named Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Behold, check it out, look around, see the pain, see this world, see the wars, see the tragedy, see the famine, see the moral depravity at its all-time lowest. Behold, there is a soon-coming king. One day the trumpet of God is sound and the dead in Christ will rise first and those other believers who are left will be caught up with him in the air. Behold! There is a soon-coming king. Behold, that baby in the manger. Behold, Jesus, the Lamb of God. Behold, Jesus, the one who took it all for us. Behold, Jesus, the soon-returning king. And finally, behold, Jesus, 
the one who wants to share his life with you. Revelation 3.20 reads, Behold, check it out, hear this, don't miss it. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. I'm knocking. I'm here. And if you hear my voice and let me in, I will come in. Behold, I'm here. Behold, if you let me in, I'll show you the unconditional, eternal love of Almighty God. Behold, if you let me in, I'll show you the peace that passes all understanding. It's the peace that the world looks for and can't find. Behold, if you let me in, I'll bring a healing that you've never, ever known. Behold, I've come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. Behold, I'm here. Are you listening? Are you paying attention? Behold, he says, check it out. It is Jesus, the soon returning king, and he's knocking today on the door of your heart. And there are people all around us this Christmas season and throughout the year, and maybe even in this very room this morning, who will kind of play Christmas again this year, but they'll miss the risen Christ. Behold Jesus, the Son of God. Who is this child? He's the Christ child, born to die. He's the Lamb of God, slain for the sins of this world. He's the God-man who endured brutal pain on a cross for our sins. He's the long-promised Messiah, risen from the dead. He's the soon-returning King, and He's the one who right now is standing, believe this, knocking at the door of your heart, begging you to let him in. Who is this child? He is Christ, the Lord. And as we're beholding Jesus today, let's just get real honest for a moment. And let's just deal with real stuff. Many of you in this room today, I would guess, are believers. But you and I have been so busy, and we blame it on the season, and it's natural that we haven't stopped, it's natural that you haven't stopped at all to take a breath, or even to consider, or even to worship the Savior. Is that you? Be honest. I got this to do, Bob. I've got that to do. I've got three more things here. I got a list with nine things on it. I haven't even started to do this. I've got after all that, I got to start doing this, and that's only Monday. Be honest. I've been so busy, I haven't really stopped to think about this. I haven't really stopped to worship. So what I want you to do is I want you to take a moment and just reflect. I mean, right where you are, your chair can be an altar, an altar of worship before God. And as you pause right where you are, I want you to take a moment. I mean, just take a moment. You're here. You're not going anywhere for a few moments. Just take a moment and see the risen Christ. By faith, see him and worship him in your own words right where you are. Behold Jesus, Emmanuel, the Son of God, born in a stable, laid in a manger. See him. Worship him. Say something in your heart to this effect. Lord Jesus, I worship you. Lord Jesus, I'm considering who you are and what you've done. Behold, Jesus is the Lamb of God slain for the sins of this world. 
and we worship him. Behold Jesus, the God-man. He's suffering and dying on the cross and raised again to defeat death and hell, sin and the grave. We worship him. Behold Jesus, the soon-coming King of kings. We worship you, Jesus. And behold Jesus who stands at the door and knocks and knocks and knocks. And this morning there may be someone in this room who would recognize that he or she is not in a place where Jesus is leading your life. He's not maybe even a real part of your everyday life. And you recognize also that this morning, right now he's knocking and he wants in. And the good news is there are those of you that God has ordained for you to be here. You don't know why and maybe the person next to you doesn't even know, but you have been ordained by God to be here for this moment because you're going to hear some very good news. Very good news. And here it is. Behold, God so loved you that he sent his one and only son, Jesus. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Behold, that is good news. Behold, God wants, he has a gift for you already. And he wants to give you a gift today. And by the way, it's a gift that you can't buy. It's a gift that can't be earned. It's a gift that you can't put under the tree. You can't work for it. You can't say, I've done this, I've done that, I went here, I listened to that, I did such and so, and I was even religious. And that, the merit of that is absolutely zero. This I'm talking about is the gift of eternal life. It comes only by grace, the grace of God, through faith in this Savior, this same Jesus that we're speaking of, the Christ, the risen one, the soon coming King. And there are those of you that if you were really honest, you'd admit, you know what? I'm not walking with God. I know Jesus is Emmanuel, and I know Emmanuel means God with us. But I don't really know his presence in a personal way. I don't know what it is to do life with God as a real, everyday part of my life. And I can sense he wants me, and I I sense that he's at my door, and I've sensed that he's knocking right now. And today, I have decided I am letting him in. So right now, I want to give you a chance to have your moment in time. That moment where you place your trust in the death of Christ as the payment for your sin and in the bodily resurrection of Christ as the bridge to lead you to a relationship with your Heavenly Father. And I'm going to do this because I think it's important to have, everyone ought to have that moment in time. That is a date and a place that you can refer back to in a year or two or a few years or many years from now where you can look back and say, yeah, I remember that. I remember it distinctly like it was yesterday. I remember the people were around me. I don't remember all who they were, but I remember where I was and I remember Christmas Sunday 2014. Oh, yes, oh, yes, I sure do remember. So I want to give you a chance to say, I am making the decision to place my trust in the belief that Jesus did all this for me. 
No longer am I going to trust my own ability, my own efforts to be in good standing with God just because I'm a nice person. But from here on out, my trust is in the fact that Christ has been the sacrifice for me. I'm fully trusting in him as the basis for my right standing with God, for my peace with God, and for the destiny of my eternal soul. And if you're at that point where you'd like to do that, and you know that he's knocking at the door of your heart, and now you're ready to answer that door and bid him to come in, I'd like you to join me in a short prayer. And I'm going to ask that we all just bow in a time of quiet and a time of reflection and a time of introspection. And if you're here today and ready to open the door of your heart, you can change these words. You don't have to say the words I say, but just pray something to this effect. You can have your eyes closed. You can have your eyes open. I, nobody here's to, here is here to judge you. But God is here to speak to your heart, and that's the important thing. What's going on in your heart? That's the eternal spiritual business that needs to be done. I want to give you an opportunity to have your moment in time where you can look back and say, ah, that was the day. I remember I trusted fully in Jesus, and I did it on Christmas Sunday, December like the 21st, I think it was, back in 2014. And if that's you this morning, as we bow together, and those of you that know Christ and you're walking with him, and you, and you maybe haven't had time to, to really stop and think about what this is all about, maybe you ought to pray the, a prayer this morning and just thank God for who he is and what he's done for you. And those of you that are ready to open the door of your heart, would you just simply say something to this effect? Heavenly Father, I believe. I believe Jesus is the Savior, the only Savior. I believe he came to earth to be my Savior. I believe that when he died, he died for my sin. I believe that I can have a right standing with you through what he did. So today, right this moment, God, I'm placing all my trust in Christ's death on the cross as the full payment for my sin. Thank you for the forgiveness of sin. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. And thank you for leading me on this new path to believing in your Son. Now this is really, really important as we continue bowed in prayer. If you prayed this prayer with me or a prayer something like this or you used your own words, however you phrased it, I want to ask if you do this. Just where you're sitting without any fanfare, would you just lift your hand right up in the air and then look up at me? Would you just lift your hand up in the air and look up at me? I want to meet your eye. Thank you. And then would you just come and see me or Pastor Todd after we close this service in just a few minutes. I'll be back at the door. Pastor Todd will be right here at the front. And we'd love to celebrate this spiritual milestone with you. You see, when you come to Christ, the scripture is very clear. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how dark your life has been. It doesn't matter where you've been or who you've run with. That doesn't matter at all. Because at that moment, you're totally forgiven. You are changed completely. You become a new person, a new creature. You will experience his life, his forgiveness, 
his love, his freedom, his power, and his peace. Behold Jesus, the Christ, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. Oh, will you worship him with us for who he is?